Gary Renard Podcast, Episode 47. Welcome to the Gary Renard Podcast, your in-your-ears connection to Gary Renard. Wait a minute, make that worldwide in-your-ears connection to Gary Renard, best-selling author of The Disappearance of the Universe, your immortal reality, and the eagerly awaited and soon-to-be-released Love Has Forgotten No One. I'm Gene Bogart, and yes, I'm still back from the dead. I love it when the choir answers me on that one. Remember the Franco, you know, I'm still dead thing on SNL years ago? Well, I'm I'm still back from the dead, which I guess is a good thing. I still appear to be walking the earth. I sound much better than I actually feel, but that's... <laughs> it is better to sound good than to feel good, darling, I got to tell you. But without any further ado or further adon't, would you welcome, please, the reason we're really here, the star of our show. Let's hear it for Mr. Gary Renard. All right. Oh, you got... Oh, they are standing ovation. There's flutes in the background. Gary, buddy, how are you? I am doing great. And, and how is life in Bogart land? Oh, it is Bogart landian. Let me assure you, there are... <laughs> You know, ever since I, I truly discovered that I am the cause of everything, because I am the one, I'm, I'm going to announce that officially soon, that's, that's why things are the way they are, because I made it this way. I invented it. So I want to thank all of my little creations for listening in, all you, all you figments of imagination out there. And Gary, you too, you're one of my best works. And, uh, of course, I created the Gene Bogart character, too. And everything I've just said is true of you as well as everyone else. So, you know, it's 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 not ego, it's anti-ego. But I, I'll tell you, I created a a mystery wrapped in an enigma and uh, with a flummoxation attached to it. But, uh, yeah, but Bogartland, uh, you know, somehow it's still moving along okay. Well, that's great. And uh, just remember that all those things out there that it looks like you made, all those separate things out there... Right. Uh, what you really made was nothing, because yeah. none of it's true. None of it's as, there, right. As, of course, as, you know, uh, nothing unreal exists, but people go through their whole lives making like what they made and, and projected is real. So now they feel guilty because they think that all these uh, terrible things that they're seeing out there are a projection that is coming from them, which is true, but then they forget that because it's just a projection, that none of it is true. So what they've really done is nothing. Yeah. And if they could remember that, then they wouldn't have to feel guilty. Right, that's why there is no guilt. And and also it's why you need do nothing, because you didn't do anything. It's nothing there. Yeah, I like that. I'll use that in my next book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll work out well for you, I'm sure. I I create wonderful results for other people. <laughs> that Wayne Dyer guy, I had this idea about him, and boy, did his career take off, you know? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I got into uh, an elevator once at a Hay House conference. Wayne was there. Uh huh. And there was another guy in the elevator who was bald. Oh. And uh, Wayne looked at him and said, I like your haircut. <laughs> <laughs> he, one of his, he's a pretty funny guy. One of his comments one time years ago, he was talking about, he has like eight kids or something. You know, he's been prolific about that. And, and he said, so I discovered it's not that I'm going bald. He said, I, I've got a solar panel for a sex machine up here. So anyway, <laughs> maybe, maybe true. 
Oh, he's funny. He was uh, talking once, and you know they have those uh, you know commercials for Viagra and Cialis <laughs> and stuff like that. It says that, you know if you have an erection that lasts more than four hours, see your doctor. <laughs> and Wayne said, "Hey, I'll tell you, if I have an erection that lasts for more than four hours, the doctor is the last place I'm going." To. <laughs> I'm going to make five stops along the way. <laughs> I would never hear that, too. I always think the, the snappy answer would be, if I have an erection that lasts more than four hours, they all last more than four hours. You know, so <laughs> right. anyway, <laughs> we dream on. See, you can invent anything you want when you are responsible for the world you see. That's true. Uh, uh, the best sex that I have is in my dreams when I'm asleep at night. <laughs> I, I am responsible for the sex I see, for the erection I see. Well, you you were the one, or actually it was in your book, I think it was actually, uh, it might have been you or it might have been Arton or Persa, but one of one of all of you uh, said, you know, about talking about, is it possible to have both a resurrection and an erection? And I think you said, but not at the same time. <laughs> That's right. That was, I think it was Arton who said that. But, yeah, uh, that's why I remembered it. <laughs> but hey, it's good to hear your voice. It's uh, been a while. Yeah, it's, well, not it, this is better than the last time. Our our last gap between podcasts was like a, a virtual eternity. This one is is like sort of like a purgatory. It's not forever, but it was. No, this isn't too bad. Oh, but just uh, two months. Yeah. Two months, I think. Yeah. Well, and we'll hopefully be able to, you know perk them up a little bit more frequently than we have. You know, the one thing I did want to briefly mention for us is is that this is episode 47 of our podcast series, which means that we get closer every time to that magic number of 50, which just seems like an important number for some reason. It'll be kind of a milestone, and uh, maybe we'll have some kind of a, a 50th episode special or something. I don't know what it'll be, but... Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, there are 50 uh, miracles. Oh, there you go. There's That's the magic Yeah, the magic number. Well, what yeah. we could do is match up uh, each podcast to its corresponding uh, miracle principles. Yeah, 50 podcast principles to go with the miracle principles, yeah. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. Okay, but, that's uh, a good idea. I've, I've been having uh, a really good year. Uh-huh. Uh, a lot of good things have you're, been happening. You're very welcome. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> and uh, I'm really excited uh, about the third book coming out. Yeah. October the 8th. October there's big, 8th. There's a big delay between the time you finish a book and, and the time that uh, it actually comes out. Especially mm-hmm. with a, you know, a company like Chaos, because they have uh, you know so many authors now. It, Thousands. Thousands. They have like uh, well over a hundred mm-hmm. uh, authors, and so uh, they're putting out you know at least one book, sometimes more, every week. And it's like you have to wait in line. You know, <laughs> you have to wait your turn in yeah. uh, line. And it generally takes nine months from the time that you uh, turn in a book to the time that it actually gets out there. Interesting and, how it parallels the human gestation period. Yeah, definitely. And uh, Chaos has gotten very big. They're uh, definitely the biggest uh, spiritual self-help uh, publisher in the world. And wow. I make a distinction between uh, spirituality and the self-help movement. Is, and you'll see that in the third book. Uh, they're really not the same thing. But uh, when it comes to A Course in Miracles and what I do and what a few people do, we really try to uh, stick to the Course, which is a, a spiritual uh, teaching. And then you've got you know, a thousand other things. They're mostly about uh, getting what you want and making things happen and attracting things to you and, and making it work uh, in the world, which is fine. I mean, I'm not uh, putting that down because I've used it myself 
you know, in my life, and I've used it uh, successfully. It's just that it's like apples and oranges. They're really not the same thing, and we can talk about that more later, but uh, the thing about uh, what we do is that it's unique. Now, I just participated in a thing uh, called the uh, Hay House World Summit, mm-hmm. and they had like 110 authors <laughs> participate in this, and everybody did an interview uh, where somebody else interviewed them. In my case, it was uh, Robert Holden, and Robert is a, a teacher of the course and a, a wonderful guy, just a great guy. He's from England. He's a psychologist. He's a Ph.D. He knows the course very well, and uh, he interviewed me. And uh, our discussion was all about A Course in Miracles for about an hour and 15 minutes. And so we talked about we didn't deviate from the course. We really stuck to it. And I thought it was a really good conversation, and we got a lot of uh, comments about it afterward because it was uh, so different than what everybody else was saying. Yeah. You know, so uh, I like that. You know, I like to be uh, unique and stick to the course. Uh, Not that it makes me uh, important or special or anything. It's just that uh, there aren't a lot of people, you know, doing that. I mean, you can talk about maybe Ken Wapnick and, you know, a few of his students uh, who are doing that. But I don't see many teachers out there on the scene who are actually teaching uh, A Course in Miracles. And I can even go to A Course in Miracles uh, conference like the one in Chicago, right? Which was you know pretty big, and uh, you have all these course teachers, and not many of them stick to the course either. So uh, it's, it's a pretty interesting phenomenon. And you know, it, it's uh, as 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 we say, and even as the course itself talks about it, it's it's not the only path. There are other ways of of getting to the goal you're seeking, and then there's other things in the world, obviously, that have nothing to do with getting to the goal, and. Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's not like you have to do the course or you're going to burn in hell. It certainly is not that kind of a thing. In fact, the course says everyone is going to arrive at that goal, uh, irrespective of whether they study the course. You'll get the curriculum in one form or another, which you have to 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 gain the awakening that you seek. But uh, you know, so it's it's fine that somebody else wants to talk about crystal pyramid power. I mean, that you know, be be our guest, go right ahead, and I'm not invalidating that. But when you try to blend other things with the course, I think that's where you and I both sometimes have an issue <laughs> with people who do that. You know, if you if you want to do law of attraction, that's fine, but don't don't try to conflate that with a course in miracles because they are not compatible and they're two different things and you know without mentioning names i mean if you you know you want to study the course and get a toned butt you know well that's not really the course anymore is it you know so now and, and you and i both say it, it's not that we don't live in the world you still do we still eat you still you know drive a car or take a subway or we interact with people we have pets which we, we might talk about uh, there's a lot of things going on and we still do them the course never asks us to deny the illusion but merely to to continuously be aware that it is an illusion even as we seem to deal with it yeah so uh, i always uh, point out to people also that the course does not claim to be the only way right you know, to get home to god and it doesn't say that it's special and i do think that it's fair at the same time to say that the course does claim to be a fast way yeah. to go home to well god. it is yeah. about saving thousands of years and and the chief aim of the miracle worker is to save time. And I think it's fair to say that. And, uh, yeah, if it is a Course in Miracles conference, then my attitude is, well, why not do a Course in Miracles? Right. It seems that most of the teachers who are out there teaching the Course have made up uh, their own thing. 
you know, and, and they may in some cases even call it uh, something different than the course, and yet they'll still uh, cling to the idea that they're teaching the course. Uh, right. When what they've done is they've made up the, their own thing, whether it, it doesn't matter what, what you call it, but it's not a course of miracles. It's right. a deviation uh, from the course, and uh, as you say, you just can't blame uh, them for trying, and at the same time, it's not compatible. Uh, with the course, and so what I try to do is go by what the course says. You know, I, every time I teach something, uh, I'll point out something in the course where it actually says that. So that way, I'm sticking, you know, to the message of the course. And of course, Art and Purser, uh taught me that because you notice that uh, in all the books, what they do is they don't just say something; they will always use a quotation from the Course of Miracles. Right, an actual course, reference to illustrate yeah. that that is what the course is saying, and that they're not just making this up. You know, it's like it's really there uh, in the course. Well, I think we've said that in podcasts probably from years ago. That you know, when when the, you hear a lot of controversy, different different course teachers are arguing about something. I said, well, when in doubt, go back to the source material. Go to the course itself. You know, read what it says. That it it really is so clear. And yes, granted, there's a lot of words. It, it is a thick book. So there's a lot of words, and that can be a challenge, not, you know, for uh, some people more so than others, but, it, you know, there is a barrier there. And the Course says words are symbols of symbols and twice removed from reality in that sense. So it's a difficult medium to work with, but it's the one we have. So go to those words. They are quite clear. If they're not clear, examine them more carefully. Uh, you know, I would assure anybody, as you would too, the words will become clear. It, you know, it, the clarity is there. Sometimes we block the the understanding of it, but but give it some time and, and look at it from various angles, and it will clear up for you. But the answer is always there. There's no controversy to be had if you go back to the source material of the course itself, as you just said. I agree, and uh, Art and Purse uh, continue that tradition in the third book. They always eventually, you know, come back to the course, say this is what it says, point out that this is what it says, and I'm really glad that they did that, especially in the third book, because this is a really wild <laughs> book. I mean, <laughs> this is a, a real trip. Yeah. This is, like, uh, incredible. They take me on a, like, a whirlwind tour of the afterlife. They, uh you know, uh, talk about dimensions of time and all, all these uh, far-out ideas. They, they give me all these incredible experiences that were surprises to me. I, just when I think that they can't possibly blow my mind again, they do it. You know, and, but, you know, yet sooner or later, and, and I have, like, different people appearing to me as them and, and bodies changing and and uh, all these, you know, incredible experiences. I mean, Jesus, no wonder I drank. You know, it's, just, uh, yeah, it's like, God, you know, it's just amazing. Uh, and, you know, at one point, uh, we were just talking about something, and Arden said, uh, you know, truth is stranger than fiction. And I just looked at him, and I said, yeah, I noticed. <laughs> yeah, did they like, uh, did they show you any really hot green alien women, like on Star Trek? Uh, no, they didn't. Oh, but, darn. Uh, I don't want to give away too much, but I actually do meet a couple of aliens. Oh, cool. In, uh, uh huh. In the uh, book, and uh, it's like, gee, this is just, uh, you know, a one one nutty ride. But at the same time, uh, everything is uh, like holographic. They explain that this is a trilogy, which I didn't even, you know, think about that mm -hmm. until the last chapter. 
when they mentioned their last visit in the, in the third book, they mentioned that it was a trilogy and how it all fits together like a hologram. And if you look at all three books and put them all together, uh, because they do, you know, kind of like uh, complete the story of Arden and Persa. We didn't get the rest of the story in the first book uh, from their final lifetime, which uh, happens 100 years from now in Chicago. And uh, they give more detail about that final lifetime, mm-hmm. what happened with them and, and uh, both earlier in their lives as well as the end, and, uh, you know, how they ended up being enlightened. And uh, it's really interesting because I found out more about them. I felt like I knew them better and uh, the whole process that they went through. And they had told uh, part of the story in The Disappearance of the Universe, and they kind of like just kind of like filled in the blanks, so to speak. And also, it's not just that all three books fit together, but the three major lifetimes they're, they're talking about as, uh, you know, Thomas and Thaddeus 2,000 years ago, uh, Cindy and I today, Art and Purse 100 years from now, you really see how those three time periods fit together and how uh, some of the lessons that they had, because I also got to uh, talk to Thomas and Thaddeus ah. uh, personally. and uh, wearing, wearing togas and sandals at the time? Uh, I'll save that for the book. Oh, darn, you won't tell us anything, Gary. Well, it it is uh, something to know that, uh, because when they appeared to me, and they told me, uh, Thomas and Thaddeus told me what some of their lessons were uh, 2,000 years ago, the things that they really had to work on, which interestingly were kind of like picked up by Cindy and I in this lifetime. Ah. And uh, we have a couple of the same issues that they had 2,000 years ago, but we complete those uh, lessons in this lifetime. Mm -hmm. And then uh, there is still a little bit left over that Art and Persa have to deal with in the final lifetime. So uh, as the Course says, uh, you know, trials are but lessons presented once again. Right. Well, that's not only true within uh, one lifetime. It carries forward uh, from one lifetime to another. And of course... I want to make it clear that when I talk about lifetimes, I'm not talking about uh, a place where you actually go into a body because you're never in a right, body. Right, right. Uh, these are kind of like serial dreams, or what the Course would describe, uh, the serial adventures of the body. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like uh, we're having dreams, and you know, one dream ends, but the dream goes on. Yeah. As the Course says, all your time is spent in dreaming. So even that uh, in-between time period, uh, which some people call the afterlife. Right. Yeah, that's okay. not real either. No, yeah. that's a dream also. Yeah. It's like a, a con- continuum, yes, in a, in a linear uh, time frame. But as we know, there's a paradox to time because time is actually holographic. And right. It all happens all at once. And all it's that. like an intermission to the dream between acts. Right. And then, uh, so even that aspect of the dream we experience in a linear fashion. Yeah. But that's all part of the false experience. And, uh, you know, I, I was going well, to say there, it just made me think of this, too, as you were saying that, that are are the, the multiple lifetimes that we seem to be examining, they're not really sequential. They appear to be sequential, but they're really not. They First of all, they never existed at all. But even in the illusion in which they exist, it happened all at once. So what seemed to be an ancient lifetime and now a present lifetime and then later a different future lifetime, one did not happen after the other. They all happened 
And so, of course, we're examining the same issues over and over because we're examining those issues now. It's always now. So the illusion seems to give it a linearity, uh, you know, or a sequentialness to it that that isn't really there. But that's part of the illusion and probably part of what keeps us seeming to be interested in the illusion. Oh, I have to see what comes next as if there is a next. But in reality, there really is not. Uh, that's true, and uh, one of the things about that that can give you pause is that it would be possible after this lifetime to, uh, as the Course puts it, you know, you're mentally reviewing yeah. that which has already gone by. It would be possible to mentally review a lifetime that happened 500 years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so you could go from, uh, you know, the 21st century back to the uh, 16th century all of a sudden, and... Uh, you know, there's, it doesn't have to be like the next lifetime in the so-called uh, sequence. Right. It could be right. anywhere, any place, any time. Yeah. So that's why I think you want to learn your forgiveness lessons now so that you don't have to keep uh, repeating these same patterns yeah. and uh, these same lessons over and over again. And, uh, you know, I'm fortunate enough, you know, sometimes I feel like I know more about my next lifetime than I do about the rest of this one. <laughs> you know, it's like I, I'm not, I don't know what's going to happen uh, the rest of this year. I know what it looks like, what's going to happen, but I don't know exactly what's going to happen. And, and I get involved in these projects, and I never know if it's going to work or or whether it's going to end up being one big forgiveness lesson. They've and, never really given you a lot of data about what is your future in this lifetime. As you say, they've talked more about what will happen in, in the next go-around or what appears to be the next. But uh, in this one, there's been little little things, little specifics, but but in the bigger picture, they really haven't filled you in very much, right? That's true. Uh, they always said that they wouldn't tell me too much about my uh, future. And uh, I guess, you know, that's for the best, because I do still have my forgiveness lessons that come up. But one thing that the information in the third book has really helped me with is to not make it real. You know, and that's so important, and uh, we always forget and get sucked into it, you know, get sucked into the story, but I'm remembering much more quickly now uh, to to not make it real. It's like that second part of the introduction, of course, you know, nothing unreal exists, and if you're the slightest bit upset or concerned or anxious, uh, even a little angry uh, once in a while, the second that I remember, hey, you're making it real. You have to be making it real. If you weren't making it real, you wouldn't be concerned. Yeah. You, know, you wouldn't be anxious. So I catch myself pretty fast now, uh, very, very quickly. And it's like, okay, I'm making it real. I stop making it real. Nothing unreal exists. It reminds me of that uh, drawing of Jesus I have in the living room. He's laughing. You know, and in, uh, the caption on the bottom says, you're afraid of what? <laughs> you know, I mean, you look at the things that he was able to forgive, and, uh, you know, what do we have to forgive? Well, mostly it's that we don't get what we want. You know, that that seems to be like the most common right, <laughs> forgiveness right. lesson. We, we want something to happen, and it doesn't happen. We have uh, an unfulfilled expectation. And, uh, you know, it's like that's where the Buddhists have the right idea, because they, they say, look, you know, half of your suffering is caused by desire, just the fact that you want something. You know, and if you if you could get to the point where, well, what if it didn't matter what happened? Yeah. 
Well, you, you, I, I would say all of your suffering is caused by, at one level or another, even even if you think about something terrible, a lawnmower just sawed off my leg, and now I'm suffering, well, it's because I want to not have that be the case, and it seems to be the case. So again, it's a, it's an unfulfilled desire, even in an extreme circumstance. But yeah, you're you're absolutely right. When you think about that, it's all the things you want, whether whether it's the the crasser, grosser ideas of, of you know, the, the, the macro stuff of I want a new car, I want a big house, you know, that type of stuff, or just little things, you know, I just, I want to, I want that commercial to be over, or, you know, I want a, a better music selection on the radio, or, you know, whatever it is, it's because I want something that I'm not just accepting what appears to be there right now, and that really is a forgiveness process. Whatever it is I don't like, you know, I let that go, and I see it as I just put that there for some reason to try to upset myself, and I'm not going to let that happen. I release it, and then there's no more suffering in that moment. Yeah, that's a really good way of uh, putting it. And uh, I found that, uh, and this is why I'm excited about people uh, reading the third book, is because of what it's done for me. It really has made a difference. You know, I, I find myself being much more peaceful because I'm catching myself uh, much more quickly if I'm not thinking with the Holy Spirit, right. then I, I stop thinking with the ego immediately and switch to the Holy Spirit, which of course is the holy instant, and I can just take over, uh, you know, the interpretation of the Holy Spirit instead of the interpretation of the ego. And that leads in turn to spiritual sight, and spiritual sight is just the way that you think. It's like uh, the Course says, everywhere the Holy Spirit looks, he sees himself. You know, so now instead of seeing differences, you know, even though we're always going to see differences as long as we appear to be here in a body, so we're going to see all these, you know, billions of different forms of separation, but now we can experience by seeing it the fact that there is a reality that is just beyond the veil, that is just beyond that illusion, and that reality is everywhere. And that's why everywhere the Holy Spirit looks, he sees himself in... Uh, of course, if it's true, as the Course says, as you see Him, you will see yourself. Right. Then if you see that uh, spirit and innocence and perfect oneness uh, everywhere, then you eventually cannot help but experience yourself that way. If you think that way uh, often enough and consistently enough, that eventually will become your experience of yourself. And, you know, that's one of the things that I hear so often from people who, who send me emails, uh, you know, that, that the podcast, even though this is something that we've said a lot, and they say, you know, it really helps that you guys regularly make reference to that, about changing your mind, about r seeing what you're doing quickly, and, and the more quickly you change your mind, the more quickly you forgive, the easier it becomes to do it over and over, and the easier it becomes to not be upset by the world. And, uh, you know, they they said, you know, I've been listening to all your podcasts, and I, you know, I hear this many times, and it be, it starts to become real for me. I find myself forgiving more quickly if I'm in traffic, somebody cuts me off, and I can feel that anger rise up, and then quickly I go, "Oh, there, I'm doing that. Okay, I let that go, and I'm happy." You know, and they say it's so quick when it turns around like that, but you, it's mindfulness. You have to just keep thinking of that, and eventually, as, as you have said many times, it does become more and more automatic, where you don't have to bring it up and think about it. It's like like flipping a switch something angers you you just immediately let it go and you know eventually we'll get to the point where we're never even angered or upset we won't see the upsets because all we'll see will be through the holy spirit's vision yeah that's right gene and uh you know the quicker you do it the less you'll suffer right 
And uh, it kind of like becomes so much of a habit, but you have to be vigilant. When the Course says, be vigilant only for God and His kingdom, it ain't kidding. It takes real determination, uh, real vigilance. There's a reason why there is so much repetition in the Course. Uh, There has to be, because the ego, just like... uh, you know, the Holy Spirit, except the Holy Spirit has to win in the long run because the Holy Spirit is perfect and the ego is not. But aside from that, they both have something in common. The ego is relentless. The ego, oh, yeah. <laughs> the ego is like the Terminator. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, just, it just won't quit. <laughs> you know, and, you, and you have to... Uh, it's, you know, it, this is ego. what it does. It's all it does. It's true. I say this a lot. It's like the ego never, I, the ego never sleeps. The ego never quits. What, you know, <laughs> it's amazing. You, you start to actually gain a strange admiration for it. You know, the little fella, he just never gives up, you know, the slightest little thing. You just keep, you know, I think I'll set this pencil down. Oh, the pencil falls on the floor. It just, whatever it takes. It just, it just, no, you know, can I give you cancer or can I just nick your finger a little bit? And the, the course says there's no difference. You know, the smallest of upsets is the same as the, what, the veil of intense fury. You know, it, it, there's no difference. You know, like there's no magnitude, no order of magnitude in miracles. There's no order of difficulty in problems. They're all the same, you know, and the ego knows that and it just never stops. So you just have to, you have to sit back and smile at it and go, God, that's funny, you know? <laughs> yeah, so uh, really, so like there's uh, bad news and there's good news. Uh, the bad news is, as the Course itself says, uh, the ego is ingenious. Yeah. So even the Course will admit that the ego is, uh, you know, at times uh, very clever, ingenious. It'll, it'll come up with a thousand different ways uh, to convince you that you're a body. Because if you're a body, the whole ego thought system of separation right. is true. Oh, yeah. That's what it does, and, and it's very good at it. And, uh, you know, that's fine. The good news is, is that in the long run, the ego can't win. Because the Holy Spirit is perfect, has a perfect plan. Right. Uh, everything is connected. You know, the Course talks about an interlocking chain of forgiveness. So my forgiveness is connected uh, to your forgiveness, which is connected to everybody's forgiveness. It all fits together. Uh, The Holy Spirit can see everything. We cannot. And uh, it all is going to work. And the the Holy Spirit's uh, plan has to win in the long run. And really, our only responsibility in the whole thing is to accept our part, you know, to play our part in forgiveness, to forgive what's right there. And if we do that, then we're doing our part. Uh, The Course says forgiveness is the means of the atonement. And if we take our part, the Holy Spirit is going to take care of the rest. And it has to be that way because we can't see everything. We only see a little piece of the puzzle, and the Holy Spirit uh, sees absolutely everything. And at some point... uh, I'm willing to trust the Holy Spirit, and I've, I've come to trust the Holy Spirit, but I think that that uh, you know, trust has been earned. It's, it's not like some kind of a religious thing. Right, it's a right. blind faith where yeah. I just say, oh, I, I believe this, and because I believe it. And, and it's more than that, because I've been given reason to believe it. Uh, one of the things that we mentioned uh, in the Hay House World Summit thing, uh, I'm talking with Robert Holden, who's a really great guy, and, uh, you know, he said this is, you know, after after I had been sticking to the course for about an hour, <laughs> he said, this is really radical, isn't it? <laughs> and, and I said, well, yes, it is, but 
I think there's a reason why you have millions of people who, despite how radical this seems, you have millions of people around the world who are reading A Course in Miracles, uh, reading you know books like mine, and the only reason for that is because when they you know kind of like apply it, when they actually do it and apply it to their lives, it does work for them. It right. does bring them oh, it uh, does. more peace. They yeah. notice that they're more peaceful more quickly. When you're more peaceful, uh, everything changes. It's a better quality of life. You can think more clearly. Uh, you're more open to inspiration yeah. by the Holy Spirit. You can have these ideas that actually work. And uh, the only thing is you have to be a little bit willing to be humble and say, well, maybe I don't know everything. You know, maybe, yeah. uh, maybe there's a power... Uh, called the Holy Spirit that is bigger than me, that does know everything, and maybe I should try to listen a little bit more instead of being the one who's always doing the talking. And, you know, the the thing is, because it, it the Course is always specific about not being, you know, this is not meant to be insulting to you to, to say that your role is so small and the Holy Spirit is so large. But the truth is, the Holy Spirit is, as we've talked about this before, the Holy Spirit is not something apart from us. The Holy Spirit literally is us but it's us in our corrected form. So when we turn it over to the Holy Spirit, we're just turning it over to our self, the self that can make no mistakes, rather than the little self that we just think we are, this little character that we've invented, and we try to imbue that character with self-determination. Well, I know best, I'm not listening to anybody else, and try to, you know, the little this little kernel, and I don't mean military, like a corn kernel, and, and you know, this angry little kernel, <laughs> there's another whole meaning there, but no, rather than just opening ourselves to the truth of what we really are, we're not, we give up nothing other than our illusion, you know? And, and the other point I wanted to make when you just said that before, it's not that it's going to work out. The real truth is it already has worked out. This is, it's over. We're just laboring under the delusion that it still seems to be going on. So that makes it easier for us. I know that's very radical. <laughs> but when you get that, it it's not only radical, it becomes radically peaceful. It's like, oh, yeah, it it's over. I, that's why I need do nothing. I, I just have to be willing and open myself to the Holy Spirit, which corrects all my illusions. And it does become easier. You know, so, you know, it's amazing. That's that's such an intense concept because the Course refers over and over to the universe of time. We tend to think of the universe as mostly matter and time is this wave that runs through it, but it's really the opposite. The universe is really built on time. That's the key to the illusion is that something happens and then something else happens. And in reality, it, it, it isn't. It's, there, there is no time. So that's why it's already over. As the Course says, we stand at the end of the journey looking back, only thinking that we're still taking the journey. And, you know, when, when you start to grasp that, even just to begin, you know, as you said, people all over the world, there are so many who, who at one level or another are getting this and are drawn to it. Even if they're drawn to it, they throw the book in the corner, they don't touch it for three years, but somehow they come back because there's something calling to them there. And it calls to all of us. And for those of us who find the Course to be our path it is one that works it is in fact a very practical course of study absolutely and uh you know people will find as they go along yes uh, this is not the easiest uh, spiritual path in the world and uh your life is going to accelerate so it may appear 
at times like things are getting worse. Oh boy, are but, you are you ever right, my friend? <laughs> yes, but the things that you're going through would have happened anyway. Yeah, yeah. So why not get through them quicker? You know, it may just be an acceleration of what. Yeah, you would have had, <clears throat> you would have had this these same ten problems, but you might have had them stretched over your the course of your entire lifetime or even multiple lifetimes. But now you get them all this week, you know. So <laughs> the, the velocity increases, but as you said, it gets you through them faster because you're going to go through them. So get it over with and move on that's more right. quickly. Yeah, that's, that's great. Right. You're going to go. You're going to go through those things whether you want to or not. Yeah. So why not learn what they're for? It's like the course always asks us, "What is it for?" You know, and what it's for is forgiveness. And if you can forgive it, if you can really learn how to forgive and do it, then you're not going to suffer as much as you would have uh, with the ego's method. And uh, you, you're going to uh, eventually be peaceful. And if you learn your lessons, then there are, you know, fringe benefits to come along with oh, yeah. Talk about inspiration. And and there you are know, things uh, that you skip. As, you know, you've talked about this. The course is very specific about, you know, how many times in different places does the course reference. If, if you understand this one concept perfectly, it will save thousands of your years. I mean, that phrase is used multiple times. And, you know, we talked about those 10 problems happening this week, but there might be another thousand problems that now you don't have to go through you know exactly. you, you've leapfrogged that you've just cut that out of your apparent timeline because you you don't need to learn that because you got the message already that's right when the course says trials of a lessons uh you know presented yeah. once again well mm -hmm. they don't have to be if you learn them they don't have to be presented again yeah uh you know so you'll have uh maybe one more lifetime after this where all these lessons that you learned in this lifetime, you don't have to be presented with those patterns again. You don't have to have that, you know, same lesson. Yes, in another lifetime, it may appear to have a different form, but the meaning is exactly the same. The idea behind it and the lesson is exactly the same, even though the form may appear to change a little bit. Uh, so it's like, you know, you're saving all this time, and on top of that, you can be inspired because you have more access to spirit. You know, the more you undo the ego... And so here I am uh, sitting in uh, Southern California. I'm looking out the window at this beautiful weather and these, you know, wonderful trees and flowers and, and everything. And uh, as recently as 2004, I had never even been to California. Mm -hmm. And uh, I never saw a palm tree until I was 35 years old. <laughs> you know, and uh, it's like... Don't they have frozen palm trees in Maine? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, they have dead palm trees in Maine that have become a different life form. <laughs> Roger, real quickly, they were they had a thing with uh, with uh, I guess it was Chris Christie or somebody, the governor up there in New Jersey, uh, with the grand reopening back. You know, I guess it was uh, Memorial Day or something. The grand reopening of the beaches, one of the beaches in Jersey, and you know it is really nice. It's amazing how quickly they put the boardwalk back, all that kind of stuff. And they show this nice picture. They had a little like a bandstand set up with banners and everything about you know uh, welcome to Jersey summer and all this stuff. And on the beach, I looked behind them and there's palm trees 
And I go, you know, hold on. Is this like a bad continuity error in a movie where it's supposed to be a Florida beach and there's mountains back there? Is it? No. But what it was, they had brought up palm tree. But I'm going, there's no palm trees in New Jersey. <laughs> but I guess right. they, they brought them up, hopefully, because I love palm trees. Hopefully they will gently take them with the little balls of sand and, and bring them south for the winter and then bring them back. They won't let them just freeze up there. But I guess they they survive the summer okay. I hope they'll be okay after that. But, yeah, palm, tree, palm trees in Maine not so much so yeah i i most of your life you never you never you never took a trip to florida or something when you were a kid uh when i was 35 i, I finally went to bermuda ah <laughs> wow first palm tree and i was so excited <laughs> and uh yeah eventually i made it to florida uh i i probably made it to hawaii uh twice by the time i was 50 <laughs> and uh you know i moved here in, this happened pretty fast because I, I saw California a little bit of it for the first time uh, eight years ago, and then I moved here seven years ago this month. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, you know, 56 at that time. I'm getting old, Gene. I'm 62. Uh, yeah, I'm and, right behind uh, you, man. Yeah, this January, I'll be, I'll, I will be 62 as well. Who knew? That's right, but uh, <laughs> I'll tell you, I, I don't feel it, and I, I don't look it, and uh, I don't really feel any older. I don't think that I've actually aged uh, since Art and Persa first started appearing to me 20 years ago. I really mm-hmm. don't think that I've uh, aged at all, and uh, I feel the same. The difference is uh, I don't worry the way that I used to. What? Me worry? Uh, yeah, really. And uh, I, I feel totally different in my outlook. And, you know, t- the, the blonde toupee makes you look a lot younger, too. Yeah, well, hey, that cost me $800. <laughs> 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 and, it's like the Liberace movie. Yeah, we saw that, seen. right? Heck of a movie, man. Michael Douglas. Oh, he was great. Oh, was amazing. Great. So, yeah. so was Matt Damon. Yeah, yeah, everybody. I'm not, even, I'm not even gay, and I'd go out with him. Yeah, I mean, really, you know, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's... Absolutely. Do we have to... Do, are we contractually obligated to make an Andre reference at the moment? Uh, we're not contractually obligated, but uh, <laughs> I thought it was. I, I thought it was something that's a mandate. We have to, because I know he'll. Speaking of a mandate, um, no, <laughs> we should tell people uh, Andre is a good friend of ours. A from dear, Holland. dear friend, Andre and Tom are are are, and I literally are very dear friends, both of us. And uh, yeah, they're, and they 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 happen uh, to be a, a married couple, and uh, they've been on cruises with us. And uh, I didn't even know this, Gene, because I talked to uh, Andre about a month ago on the phone. Uh-huh. I didn't know that he was uh, actually participating in translating my third book uh, into Dutch. You did not know that, huh? I, I didn't know that. So uh, that was a pleasant surprise, because he certainly knows not only the course, but he can put it in the vernacular, yeah. uh, the way that Art and Percy do and the way that I do. Now, one time, I guess it was in our one of our other podcasts, I mentioned about something about uh, Andre doing Dutch translation, and I, I got an email from our friend Rogier, who is Dutch but lives in New York, and, and he said... Tell me, he said, is 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 Andre the only person you think speaks Dutch? <laughs> I guess he he's been involved in some of your works translations as well, and I think on the new book too, isn't he? Or are they both? Uh, yeah, uh, his, his, I love his real name. His real name is uh, Rogier uh, Van Vlissingen. Van Vlissingen, yes, Van it's a very Dutch name. Yes, and uh, yeah, he has actually translated all of my books into Dutch, but there's a process. Uh-huh. Uh, he does it first. Then he sends it to Holland, and they have a couple of people there, including Andre, uh, go through it. Because uh, even though Rogier 
uh, is an expert when it comes to Dutch. He has been living in New York City for 30 years. Or as he refers to it, New Amsterdam. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, what happened to New Amsterdam? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, oh, I know somebody else won the war. You know, whoever wins the war gets to name the city. Right? But this was like the war in 1680 or something, so <laughs> right. a long time ago. We've we've all become very peaceful with each other since then. Yeah, so what they do in Holland is, is they take it and they just kind of like tinker with it to make sure that it's like, you know, up to the way that people in Holland would look at it today, just right. make sure everything is right and make sure it's in the vernacular and things like that. And uh, one of the interesting things about the third book is that, and this is the first time that this has happened, and it doesn't happen hardly ever with books, the book is actually going to be published uh, on the same day in multiple countries. So uh, not only in English, but right. uh, you know, in French and, and Dutch and Swedish uh, uh, uh. and Finnish and Spanish and... Uh, it's really going to be an international event, and I'm going to be on Skype talking to all these different countries, and, you know, uh, it, it's really exciting. You know, actually, that was uh, Roger and I were emailing recently, and he mentioned something about that, and, and I may even have a role in that in that Skype-a-thon in, at some level. I'm not sure yet. That would be cool. So that would be exciting, yeah. Yeah, that'd be interesting. And in China, wasn't there a controversy when uh, Love Has Forgotten No One? It was actually the the vernacular translation was Bite the Wax Tadpole or, or <laughs> something like that. It was a terrible mistake that they had to correct, wasn't it? No, that's, that's an... <laughs> yeah. I think that was I think that was either I think it was Coca-Cola or something that when they, they were, when they were going to originally sell it in China somewhat the translation meant bite the wax tadpole which was not a good idea for a, for a beverage <laughs> so yeah you have to get the 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 meaning of it the, the the idiomatic translation not the literal word for word translation and you know as we say with the course and equally with your books it's got to be tough cuz there's so much nuance you're dealing with it's it's the subtleties you know I can only imagine the translation project for A Course in Miracles itself because of the, the, the sheer amount of verbiage and to get the meanings correct and all of those subtleties because the course is so subtle and holographic in the way it examines things from just slightly different perspectives uh, and that's what makes it effective and to try to do that in other languages is, is a massive challenge. So uh, uh, It is, and then you have to deal with people's uh you know, personality sure. in the in the course community. You have you know just as much uh, ego stuff going on oh, as yeah. you do anywhere, if not more, because uh, people are having all this unconscious guilt come to the surface that they didn't know about, and uh, they project it without even thinking about it. So from place to place, it varies. For example, in China, uh, the person who translates my books into Chinese. Uh, on both the mainland and uh, Taiwan, Hong Kong, that area, which is really two different languages. And uh, she, her name is Chao Lin Kaban, very nice woman, and she translates uh, my books into both. But, uh, you know, this will happen occasionally in China. I've seen it happen in Germany, even though I go to Germany very successfully and uh, always do well there. But sometimes the teacher who translates the course into their language, and I don't blame them because they spend so much time and uh, effort. It takes at least uh, 10 years to translate the course wow. yeah. uh, into, into their language. When they do that, it's kind of like they want to be the only big teacher of yeah. Course in Miracles yeah. in their language. They want to be the, the number one person. So some of them aren't really thrilled with me because they don't want me to be 
you know, the big teacher. So that's kind of like an ego thing where they want to do it. And then I go over there and they're not so sure that, oh, I, I don't want Gary to be, you know, a big teacher of, of the course. I want to be right. a big teacher of the course. I've seen that happen in a few countries. And I remember the, uh, the teacher in Germany, you, you remember the line, you know, in, in the course, Into Eternity, where all is one, that crept a tiny mad idea where the Son of God remembered not to laugh. Right. Well, the teacher in Germany who translated the course into German said about me, she said, uh, Gary's too funny to be a Course Miracles teacher. <laughs> <laughs> so you you remembered not that line in the course. <laughs> yeah, really. You know, she, so now I'm too funny to be a Course teacher. You, but, you, you too know. funny. Well, of course, yeah. this was this was a German person. Yeah. Oh, right. oh, wait, wait. I wasn't ready for that. Uh, um, okay. Well, but Gary, this was, after all, a German person. Yeah, right. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm just, you know, our friend Armin and, and our other German friends are now are now upset with me. No, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. But Germans don't have a reputation for big well, comedy um, people know, in general, you know, so. Well, Armin, you know, Armin Rod is, mm-hmm. was brought me to Germany a couple of times. Yeah. And we have a great friend named Dave who has also uh, brought us to Germany. who's was bringing us back there. Uh, next May, uh-huh. uh, they have a great sense of humor. Oh, yeah. 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 And uh, they really do. And then you have a few, they're kind of like, you can just picture them reading the course using the voice of Adolf Hitler. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't work. <laughs> 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 well, we've just irritated a large portion of the world now with that comment, but uh, no, it's true that I mean that is an iconic, you know, Im- an audio image of of this, you know, sort of being screamed at in because nobody can scream at you in German like uh, like you know, nobody can scream at you like they can in German. I have a, f- a friend of mine had a, a a German stepmother when I was growing up. They were teenagers, the two two brothers that I knew. And yeah, the the woman could say, you know, would you like to stay for dinner? And I came out. Oh, she's not It was like, whoa. You know, it was like, you know, no, no, it's okay. She's not angry. You know, it was like, wow. You know, so you the, know, the uh, language just lends itself to that to some extent. Yeah, uh, Dana Carvey on on Saturday yeah. Night Live recently yeah. had this thing he called the Germans who say nice things, yeah. <laughs> and he would say things like, "Yes, it was funny, but it made you think." <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're not going to let me into Germany after that. No, this will be it now. They'll some kind of a I don't know. I can't, I'm trying to think of a funny term, but they'll let. Yeah, you'll be blocked from now on. You won't be. Dana Carvey, very funny guy. I met him years ago. Very nice guy too. He's really nice in person. Yeah. He's good to talk with, and uh, you know, no big ego trip. Uh, speaking of the ego, see, we had to bring it back to the course. We're we, you know, we've done a lot of course. Sometimes people say, "Oh, you guys talk too much about what you know where Gary's going." I don't care that he's going to Hawaii again, and blah blah blah. Uh, you know, but you should talk more about the course. Well, I think at this point in the program, we've probably been a good eighty percent about the course. I think. Yeah, definitely. And, and, uh, and we're going to make that. The... What? Go ahead. I was going to say that uh, as the podcasts go on, we'll get to uh, you know more and more of the questions that people. Have sent in. You know, it just so happened that today uh, we started talking about the course uh, pretty quickly, and uh, as long as we're doing that, that's good enough because you know, we kind of like go wherever you know we feel guided to go. And uh, sometimes, you know, we talk about personal things, but you know, uh, I think that kind of like goes back to what uh, Ken Wapnick said about you know, don't forget how to be normal. Yeah. You know, don't, oh yeah. Don't forget how to, how to have a normal life. 
And then what you do is, is what you're changing is the way that you're looking at it. You know, the only difference is that now you're looking at it with the Holy Spirit yeah. instead of the ego. And uh, like we've been laughing a lot uh, today, and I think that laughter is definitely of the Holy Spirit. And the ego, you know, remembered not to laugh. And uh, if you can remember to laugh, uh, you know, that's really a big deal. It's kind of like uh, a woman wrote a biography of uh, Bill Thetford, you know, one of the scribes of the Course, and mm-hmm. the title of it was Never Forget to Laugh. Ah. And she called it that because Bill used to always say that. You know, he used to always say, uh, hey, never forget to laugh. And, uh, you know, it's so uh, much a part of the Course because the ego takes everything so seriously. Why? Because the ego wants it to be real. The ego right. wants it to be true. Right. And if it's serious, then it must be true. And, uh, you know, I think if, if what uh, enlightened people get is that you can't take this world seriously because it is just too crazy. You know, and, and you can't take it seriously, and if you take it seriously, you're making it real. And what the Holy Spirit is saying, don't make it real. Instead of, you know, giving truth uh, to your illusions, the Course is asking us, you know, to bring our illusions to the truth, to give our illusions to the Holy Spirit and to let them go. And uh, that includes any guilt that we think is out there in other people, because if we can let that go, we're letting it go in ourselves. Yeah, and I think that is the 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 entire difference of the dynamic there. The hundred and eighty degree reversal is uh, people have a tendency, and it's because of of the ego that we all have. We have a tendency when we find something that that we believe is the truth or the pathway to the truth, whether it's a course in miracles or the Bible or the Quran or the Bhagavad Gita, whatever it might be. We we want to take that and bring it into the world. You know, we want to take the truth and bring it into the illusion. And then, then it becomes very important that you do this, and you have to follow this, and you've got to follow those rules or you're going to burn in hell, and blah, blah, blah. And, and we try to reverse the order, where in reality, and the Course at least is uh, among all of those texts, the Course is clear about not doing that. Instead, bring the illusion to the truth where the illusion will be shined away. So, so bring the illusion over here rather than try to take the truth and bring it back into the illusion. Because, first of all, there is no illusion, so that cannot work. And all that does is seemingly reinforce the illusion, which is what we're trying to get rid of or trying to no longer acknowledge. So the other way always works. And if you bring it to there, and, and, and literally, how many times does the Course say, you know, you would but laugh if you understood the truth about this, or we will bring it here, and then together we will laugh it away. So the Course regularly uses that analogy of, of the humor, the laughter. Y- you can only see the illusion as a ridiculous, like you were in a dream, you were horribly upset in this dream, and then you wake up, and you laugh, a bit, you giggle, and go, oh, God, there I was horribly upset. I woke up in a cold sweat, and, and it never happened. Happened. Oh, and and there, there's your cause for joy and laughter. So that's that's the reversal of thought right there. Yes, absolutely. Uh, well said. Well, and, thank you. Uh, thank you. I appreciate that. On that note, I, I do have to kind of like uh, get going as I'm uh, trying to complete uh, a thousand little things here. I'm go- actually going to Hawaii next uh, week. Very happy about. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have our annual retreat at the uh, Kalani. Uh, retreat on the Big Island, and we'll be there for about five days. And then Cindy and I will get to hang out for about five days on the other side of the island, on the Kona side. Do you do you get a Kalani when you're there? 
you can if you want. <laughs> I imagine so. <laughs> I, I prefer the massage. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Helen would recommend that as well. So. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I'm really looking forward to that. And uh, I've had so many little things uh, going on this year. It's been a hectic year. It seems like ever since the year started, it's just been one thing after another. But uh, it's worth it because I feel like... Uh, you know, a lot of great things are happening, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm still working on uh, the TV series, which I don't tell people too much about as far as details are concerned, because uh, in Hollywood, you know, you have meetings, and it's best to not say anything until you have uh, the ink dry on the contract, yeah. so to speak. You know, uh, but I'm, I'm actually feeling like uh, the TV series has gone from being a long shot to being an actual possibility. Mm -hmm. And that's a pretty big jump. And uh, I think it all comes as a result of meeting people. I do know that when anything good has ever happened to me, uh, it's always come as a result of meeting somebody. You know, it's it's always coming back to relationships. And I didn't like that, you know, because uh, most of my life, like, like I was so depressed back in my 20s, I hated people. You know, and then I would get into S. And they would keep talking about relationships, and I'd say, like, relationships? You know, I don't want relationships. I hate people. <laughs> you know? But as the years have gone on, slowly but surely, uh, it has dawned on me that relationships are what it's all about, not only when it comes to forgiveness, but those relationships can also help you uh, in many ways. And for me, uh, probably one of the most important people I met who helped me was uh, D. Patrick Miller, ah. uh, you know, 10 years ago. And this year is uh, the 10th anniversary That's of right. the disappearance of the universe. And, uh, you know, I met Patrick, and I don't know if there would have ever been uh, a book published uh, if it wasn't for him. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, He was the only one crazy enough to take on the disappearance of the universe. Yeah, and, you know, it's funny, we auctioned off, uh, you know, this was to raise money to benefit the translation program of the Foundation right. for Inner Peace for the course. And... Uh, he had this idea of auctioning off these five copies that he and I had signed uh, back at the beginning, the original Fearless Books uh, copies. So we auctioned them off. We didn't you know, really expect to get a lot of money. And we ended up uh, getting uh, over $2,500 wow, cool. uh, for these five copies. <laughs> and uh, you know, so we were able to donate that money uh, you know, to the Foundation for Inner Peace. And uh, it's like I had no idea that the book would go all over the world and, and do what it's done. And uh, that never would have happened if I didn't meet him. And uh, if this TV series happens, I'm, I'm not saying that it will. This could end up being another big forgiveness opportunity for me. But if it does happen, it will be because I've met a couple of people. You know, I've met, right now I'm working with three people uh, on this. And if I didn't meet these people, if it was just me by myself, then nothing would happen. You know, so it always uh, comes back to relationships. Yeah. We meet, and, and, you know, sometimes, uh, and this is true when you're working with the Holy Spirit, if you're willing to get out there, uh, you're going to meet somebody, and uh, they will want to help you. You know, not because they have to, but just because they want to, just because they want to make some kind of a contribution to healing this crazy planet. You know, and so they want to participate in some way, and they'll help you. And it's kind of like this, I remember I read this thing uh, about the Scottish Himalayan expedition, and the guy was uh, 
saying, you know, you got to make the decision and you got to get out there and you got to begin it. It's like Goethe said. Goethe said, uh, whatever you can do or dream you can, begin it. And he said, boldness has genius, power, and magic in it. You know, it's uh, the decision itself and getting out there and starting to do it. And then all kinds of things happen to help you that you never would have dreamed would have come your way. You know, it just happens through meeting people. And, uh, you know, it takes perseverance. And uh, then you may succeed or you may not. But, hey, at least you gave it a shot. You know, at least you're not going to be sitting here 20 years from now saying, oh, I wish I had tried this or I wish I had done that. You know, when they talk to people who are, uh, you know, kind of like terminally ill and they're dying, and they talk to them about their lives, if they have any regrets or anything like that, they don't regret the things that they did, most of them. What they regret is the things that they haven't done. You know, it's the things that they haven't gone out there and and done and tried uh, that they wish they could have. I mean, you never hear anybody say, I wish I spent more time in the office. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah. So uh, I think I would tell people, look, it's better to fail than uh, to not give it a shot, because then you're not going to be sitting around saying, oh, "Gee, I wish I had done this, or I wish I had tried that." You know, at least you tried. And uh, if it's supposed to happen, you know, and uh, you could even change dimensions of time, which is another subject that we've talked about before that we can get into again in the future. But if you're practicing forgiveness and you're working with the Holy Spirit, sometimes you can even change to a different scenario where something does happen that would not have happened if you weren't practicing forgiveness and being inspired by the Holy Spirit and, and getting out there and doing things, uh, you know, you, you just might be surprised if you actually, you know, give it a shot and work with the Holy Spirit. So that's my uh, self-help motivational uh, speech for today. The only difference is, whatever you do, whether it's the law of attraction or any self-help, uh, Art and Person mentioned that doing it with the Holy Spirit is different than not doing it with the Holy Spirit. Because a lot of people do these self-help things on their own. And if you're doing it on your own and you're just relying on the method, then it's probably not going to lead to good things. But if you're doing it with the Holy Spirit, that's a different story. Because now you, you can kind of like give it to the Holy Spirit and say, look, you, you're in charge, you do this, you know, because I don't know what's best anyway. So I'm going to listen to you and you guide me, that makes, no matter what you do, a totally different experience. So that's why, uh, you know, I really am so grateful that I found the Course, that I found the Holy Spirit. You know, I'm not saying that uh, I'm perfect at it, and I'm certainly not saying that I engage in perfect behavior, because I don't. But at the same time, I have a totally different way of looking at everything, and it's a better way. And uh, it's it's totally changed uh my life from a life that would have been, I think, a very sad life to, uh, you know, a pretty decent one. The Gary Renard Podcast is produced by Enlighten Up Creations and presented at Forgiveness.tv. Verbal content of our programs is copyright 2013, Gary Renard and Gene Bogart. All rights reserved, all grievances forgiven. While you're at Forgiveness.tv, please go there, say hello, 
You can actually say hello, I think. I'm not sure. We need to have a blog. I'll work on that so that we can have a chat while we're there. But while you're there, be sure, if you haven't already done so, to sign up for the Forgiveness.tv newsletter, the mailing list that's there. You'll see the little thing right up at the top of the page tell you where to go for the Forgiveness newsletter. Um, and I have not had one of those out. I realized it's been over two years because uh, I just recently had the two-year anniversary of my return to life after my near-death experience. That was just about two years ago as I record this. And uh, I haven't done a newsletter in all that time. I don't even know how many people are signed up for the list. I assume nobody's left because there'd be no reason to. You haven't been annoyed by any emails. But uh, but if you haven't signed up already, I do plan on doing one soon. It'll be sort of a grand reopening of the newsletter and uh, fill you in on what's going on with stuff with Forgiveness.tv, with the podcasts, other news from Gary, from me from everybody so uh, please sign up for that we do have a, a couple of exciting projects in the upcoming uh, uh, short term here so uh, to be kept aware of that you'll be the first to know if you're signed up on the newsletter list and also while you're at forgiveness.tv let me just uh, also send a very sincere thank you to the folks who, uh, so many of you who are still helping us out financially with uh, medical bills we have the jeans health page there you can get an update on what's going on with me. And, uh, you know, we're keeping our, our, our nose above the waterline. It, it's, uh, it's not easy, but it would be impossible without the help that so many wonderful, loving friends have shared with us. So our thanks, uh, I mean, it, it is immeasurable. I, I can't tell you what it means. We literally wouldn't be able to be here or survive without it. So thank you so much for that and uh, anyone who, who can help out with that in any amount. I mean, people have sent a dollar that we bless you for that. I mean, everything, it's all under the Holy Spirit's direction, I firmly believe. And so far, you know, I'm still alive and we're still here. So uh, help out if you can. We certainly appreciate it, whatever. Even just emails of, of support uh, mean so much as well. And uh, and also, while, while you're there, not only that, check out the End of Sacrifice CD, as we, we mentioned over and over. Uh, if you haven't picked up a copy yet, please hear the free sample. Uh, that is a huge help for us, people, and you know that. I mean, you know, a lot of people have purchased more than one copy, and I know that's, even though it makes wonderful gifts for people, I know that the multiple copy purchases are really a, a, a helpful way to to help us out financially with the income from that. So we really, really appreciate that. Whenever I see somebody who's purchased a few of them, I go, oh, God bless you. You know, that that's huge. So thank you for that. Check that out at Forgiveness.tv. For Facebook folks, go to uh, the, the Gary Renard podcast page. We now have a page you can like us on Facebook, as if you didn't like us before. But go to the, it's the Gary Renard podcast and Forgiveness.tv. Just uh, search it up in Facebook. You'll come across it and uh, give us a like on there. And uh, we'll also have the latest news about podcast materials always posted at that page as well on Facebook. Gary and I had planned on doing some questions for Gary in this episode that you just heard. But as you heard, we got uh, we got really involved with a lot of in-depth course discussion. And I know everybody always enjoys hearing that. That is, after all, the reason we're all here primarily is to talk about A Course in Miracles. And uh, the discussion was great. We do have the questions printed up and ready to go. So on our next episode... We will make the episode pretty much a uh, complete questions for Gary episode here on the next episode of the Gary Renard podcast. How many times can I say the word next episode? This is Gene Bogart thanking you so much for listening in on this episode. 
and assuring you that uh, we will speak again in the next one, and uh, hopefully we'll also have a chance to chat again in the meantime. And in the meantime, as we wrap things up, let me just leave you with the thought that I think of and I encourage everyone to keep foremost in our mind every day as we work our way through the illusion of the world. Nothing seems to uh, relieve the pressures as well as remembering that no matter what the question, forgiveness is always the answer. You know, Gary, you were saying that earlier in your life, uh, you know, you really didn't like people. And uh, now you're talking about the possibility of having a television show. And I think that if that does, in fact, take place, uh, then you will have gone from being a misanthropist to a televangelist. <laughs> That's a good one. That's a very good one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you and Brother Joel, you'll be out there together. God loves you so much. You know, you've got to know that, Gary. The Holy Spirit is working with you, Father Gary. <laughs> that sounds like me.